You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, Luke Hector here, and this is, uh, when am I recording this? The 10th of April 23, even though this probably won't air until the 16th of April. It's basically, I couldn't do a podcast at the early April month because I'd just come back off the cruise, you know, had a bunch of work to do for the end of March, which has a corporate tax accountant, the end of March is the second busiest time of the year, and as soon as I finished that, I had then also a convention on that weekend. My birthday was just after, 39 years old. Yep, I am getting older. And it just wasn't feasible to get the podcast out. I needed to chill, and I've spent the last week basically just taking a breather, chilling, playing a few solo games. You might have seen some on my Instagram and that. You know, playing some video games, catching up on some TV, some anime, that kind of thing. And, you know, just trying to basically take take it relatively easy even though i did spend a bit of time doing the earth review which is out now so by all means you can check that one out in fact maybe sharing my screen might be a good idea just to show that off here we go slight technical issues there yep the earth review is out doing very very well i knew this was going to be one that everybody was going to need to know about the subs have certainly jumped nearly 5,000 views already since April the 7th for a review and yes it was a detailed review so I'm glad it's doing well because if it did badly for the amount of time it takes to do a full detailed review that wouldn't be good and it's 30 minutes long which I'm getting a little bit sick and tired of people sort of on Facebook going you know what's the preferred length for a review and there's people saying I only want to watch one that's like five minutes long or something if you want to know any decent detail about a game you need to spend time watching proper reviews okay and i do say multiple channels not just mine but you know you need to understand that if you want decent detail about a game it takes time to talk about that detail you, you can't just sum it up in a minute or three minutes or any of this gub you know gubbins with you know like oh i can do a review in four minutes flat you can talk about it briefly in four minutes you can do a basic overview in four minutes but it basically is the equivalent of here's this game this is how it plays i think it's good the end it's a mini adventure so don't be put off by the fact it's 30 minutes you can always just listen to it in audio form if it's too long but it's got time stamps so you can easily just you know go to the relevant sections and that it's like i say give long reviews a chance that's all i'm saying because it's difficult to keep them short when you need to cover lots of important details that a lot of reviewers don't look at uh but before then what are we doing i mean ori calcum Goblin Vaults, uh, the Kodama expansion, The Living Forest, Ten Penny Parks. I finished off the top 10 advanced two-player games list. You know, all of this has happened since the last podcast. And I've just recorded a top 10 immersive games uh, for airing maybe. Probably I'm hoping to air that early next week, maybe over the week. It depends if I can edit it before I go off to a Bacon on Wednesday night. Uh, it might be pushed to get it edited before then, but we'll see. I'll see what I can do, but it will certainly be out fairly soon. And then I'm also going to do another top 10 list. You're going to get two top 10s in relative succession because there's not a lot of good games released at the moment for reviews. I mean, Earth is really the last one I needed to review, with the exception of the Rattus Big Box, which will be coming out very soon. In fact, I think I'm going to air that tomorrow evening. In fact, Rattus Big Box. But... Well, tomorrow evening from the 10th of April. Yeah, you're going to be listening to this in a few days. So that will already have happened in the past. So we'll have to like get used to the timings here. But yeah, there's not a lot of games out released to review. So I'm not really going to be doing much of that lately. So I figured I'd catch up with some top 10 lists. So we got top 10 immersive games. But also for the 23rd of April, I am aiming to get for Earth Day. Not that I really celebrate Earth Day, but it just seemed quite convenient to release uh, top 10 nature-themed games. Yes, with the release of Earth and my question on Board Game Group and that on Facebook saying about, you know, what do you think about nature-themed games? I figured it would actually be good to actually do my top 10 favourites. Trying to stick as close as possible to real-world nature rather than fantastical nature. 
But yeah, certainly a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, as I mentioned, Baycon is happening in, in a couple of days' time as I record this. And so by the time this airs, I'll have already been. <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm looking forward to just playing a bunch more games. In fact, I'm supposed to be teaching a game of Kanban, which will be good fun. So Kanban EV back there. But I've also got two games of Hegemony, as you can see there. Yes, Hegemony, I am going to be playing two games of that over the convention because now that it's fulfilling and people have seen Paul Grogan's uh, playthrough and my review, it's getting some popularity with the Eurogamers. People want to try it out and you can see people on Facebook playing it. So I figured I'd play it twice, although I'm hoping that I don't have to do much teaching because I have stipulated that they need to know how to play the game or have watched Paul Grogan's playthrough review that we both recorded. So, uh... Yeah, I'm hoping not to teach anybody from scratch, because I had to do that at the last convention, uh, Shake, Battle and Roll, and I still enjoy it, but it's a long teach, you know, it uses up my vocal cords to do a full teach. Mmm, nice drop of mint tea after having my dinner there. So, let's get on with this episode. There's not a huge amount in this episode, keeping it relatively short, but... First off, a couple of games that I just want to talk about that I've played recently. Uh, first off, the Grand Carnival. Grand Carnival. So, the Grand Carnival is a polyomino game, as, and I'm sure you've got sick and tired of listening about polyomino games, but it's one that not a lot of people have played. It's kind of in the background and no one's really heard of it, but it's from Rob Kramer, and it's basically got the same artwork as those old 30, 1930s cartoons and that. Think Cuphead and stuff like that if you want a recent uh, iteration of it, but it's got that sort of cool artwork, which I think suits it quite well. And it's like, okay, I've already recently reviewed Ten Penny Parks, and I thought that was fine, but there was nothing really that special about it. But I needed to use up some credit for, you know, web for a game website, and I decided, well, I need to do something now because it's going to expire today. So I just bought a couple of games on a whim. I bought um, Super Skill Pinball, which I'll talk about in a minute. Actually, I wasn't originally going to, but I think we'll add that to the repertoire actually. And this one, the Grand Carnival. The Grand Carnival is pretty straightforward. I've only played the solo mode, but basically, um, there's some weird pictures here. This doesn't look like the actual game itself. There's some weird additions to this, because this is unless this is the prototype of it, because my edition looks very different to what I'm seeing here. Uh, that's more typical. There we go. Although the meeples are different as well. I don't know. People have got some weird, like, messed up versions of it, apparently. But... While I look for an image, basically you are laying tiles on you're laying square tiles on your own grid, and on top of these you are putting polyomino pieces for the like the theme park ride and that. And this is what yes, here we go, perfect. This will do nicely. And so you have to lay the foundation tiles first, these square ones, which have walkways as well as building slots with the hammers on them in order to build the polyominoes. And there's multiple ways that you can score in this game. You know, you can score for getting lots of these tickets out for people actually walking next to the ride. You can get, uh, you know, score points for people getting to your big top tent at the top of the board. You can score points for having sets of the different size polyominoes and that. And the action selection is really streamlined and simple. I mean, you've got these five little selection meeples here, actions from one to five, and basically you can either take a tile, uh, take a polyomino tile, or you know, or do or move your guests, and the rating of the action is based on which number you use. So if I use a number four, then I can take a polyomino up to size four, I can take a tile up to position four on the row, I can move a guest four times, you know, and you know, this kind of thing is pretty straightforward, we've seen it before, but what I quite like with this, I mean, the look of it is fine. I mean, I like the artwork when it looks like these old 1930s cartoons, but the rest of it is fairly bland and muted. But it's very streamlined. The rules are so easy to teach, but you find that there's a lot of tense decisions about what to build and where. Because you've got the big spatial awareness of your grid of trying to put the rides down, but also trying to have a walkway so your guests can walk around and visit your park. But then the different types of scoring, like collecting sets or putting lots of tickets down or doing the big top guest walk, do score quite well in all respects. So there's multiple ways that you can kind of approach the game from a multiplayer aspect, even though there's pretty much no multiplayer interaction. On top of that, you've also got these tricks of the trade, which give you a special ability if you can meet the condition, but only the first person to do it gets it. You have like a like quick timer in order to get it straight after, but otherwise you lose the opportunity for the whole game, and that could be quite cool. Only plays for seven rounds, and, and you're done and dusted, so it's relatively quick. 
I overall enjoyed a solo game of it, but it is a fairly basic solo game. You, you know, it forces you to play in a specific way. You have to build certain things and then it's beat your own score, which I'm not that fussed about. So this isn't really one I could see myself playing solo very much, but I could see myself wanting to play this with, you know, two, three or four players fine. I think it only goes up to four. And because the turn should be relatively quick, it shouldn't have too much downtime as well. But yeah, not a lot of multiplayer interaction though, which is the thing, but it's fairly simple rules and the complexity and the depth comes in what you do in order to score points as opposed to the rules themselves. So this has a lot of promise. More tea. But... Yeah, so I'm intrigued to play this one multiplayer. It's okay, fine. I mean, I would probably give it a... I'd give it a 7, I think, from first impressions on a solo perspective. But if I was to only play this solo, I think it would drop to a 6. It's, like, above average at that point. I want to see what this is like in a multiplayer setting, playing the game some more without the weird restrictions that solo mode imposes on you. Like, you have to build two of every single ride, and you have to get so many of this and that. Whereas in multiplayer, you can kind of do what you like. So I want that... That little bit of freedom in the multiplayer version. But yeah, I'm keen to get this one played at some point soon. Probably not at Baycon, but well, I suppose I could take it to Baycon. It would be nice as a quick little filler in that. But we'll see. I'm intrigued. So I wasn't going to talk about this one originally, but I've just reminded myself of it. So Skill Pinball, specifically Super Skill Pinball 4K. I bought this on the whim as well because I'm not a big Roll and Write fan. People know this, I tend to harp on roll and writes because they all feel the same, they're multiplayer solitaire, you know, it's purely just solo games and I feel why not just make a proper game. Now, this one still has some of those tropes. There is no reason to play this multiplayer whatsoever, it is a pure, pure solo game. More so than something like Ganshon Clever, I mean at least that one has a little bit of mitigation with the dice and that, but it's still mostly a solo game. This one is pure solo, no reason to bring this out in a multiplayer and ever and i i thought oh i'll jump into this one i don't care which version i get 4k or ramp it up or what or star trek which is kind of weird i just wanted to see what it was like so in this uh, you basically have uh, these different tables with a board uh, scoreboard next to it and basically it's a pinball table but there's split into different sections to represent the length of the table on the backboard and so what happens is you launch your ball which is represented by a little half ball bearing thing and you move it to the the start point and then as you roll two dice you have to assign one of those dice to that ball bearing effectively and you've got bumpers you've got targets you've got ramps you can go up and all sorts of things and mini games in the the later tables i mean uh, that was dragon slayer this is cyber hack uh, dance fever the uh, original one you get is grand carnival so yeah cat carnival and this one's a fairly basic table there's not much to it but it does help you get the initial rules down which are Fairly plentiful for a roll and write, but once you get it down, you get it down and there is a nice quick start rule to it. But the idea is, is that you have to move it to a, a position lower down because the ball's obviously traveling by gravity and you're trying to keep the ball in play as much as possible and you've only got three balls to use before the game ends. And it's quite a cool, thematic way of doing pinball. I mean, roll and writes don't tend to have any theme whatsoever, but this one did, and I was very impressed. It feels like pinball. You know, you get it stuck in the bumpers, and suddenly the, you know, the ball can stick around there for ages if you roll well, and then it drops and it hits a target, which gives you multi-ball, or it lets you uh, use the flippers to go where you like. And you have to cross off a die number to use a flipper, but the red ones only go to one side of the table, the yellows only go to the other side, like a normal pinball machine. And if you don't like what you roll, you can even nudge the table to try and change the number. But if you do it to great an extent, you risk tilting the machine, and so it drops your ball. It, it really represents pinball very well. I was genuinely impressed with the theming on this. Now, is it fun to play? Yeah. I actually quite like this. It's it's just simple, fun. Pinball's a... I'm not a massive pinball fan, but, you know, I get it. It's arcadey, and I'm, I suck at it, really. But, you know, I used to play um, Sonic Pinball. You remember that one? The old Mega Drive game, Sonic Pinball? I used to really enjoy that one. And you obviously had the other Sonic games where it occasionally ends up being in the pinball machine. But an actual pinball machine in real life, I pretty much never go on them. But, you know, I respect them. You know, I'm just not a massive fan. But this one just feels quite cool. It's not so... It's 
the only thing is is that this one doesn't have a lot of depth to it it's more like a good turn your brain off roll and write because you have to make very minor decisions like shall i cross this off or shall i cross this off or shall i go to a different row when do i use my skill shot that kind of thing these aren't brain burny choices really it's pretty straightforward but if you want that you know a solo only turn your brain off game that you don't mind playing for about say 45 minutes you are looking at about 45 minutes for uh, these games, possibly up to an hour if you're playing one of these later tables as these little mini games in it. So it's not short for a roll and write. It's going to take you a little bit longer. But you've got a variety of tables here and you could just buy another super skill pinball set and get another four tables. You know, I think this has good merit you know behind it it's definitely one of the better roll and rights i think i've played it doesn't suddenly mean i'm gonna love roll and rights but i think it's uh decent i think it did a decent job i wasn't expecting much i've been thinking of buying this for ages just to try it out i mean i'm not going to review this or grand carnival um you know i'll just talk about them on the podcast but yeah i'm um, so far i was quite impressed with this on a solo mode thing it's a decent game i'd probably give it a 7 out of 10 maybe even an 8 out of 10 i think it's a solid roll and write certainly much more interesting than a lot of roll and writes that exist out there and uh, i think for once you actually have a pretty thematic roll and write all right more tea that's a pretty hard feat to make as well so yeah i'm impressed super skill pinball give it a try if you like roll and writes and you're a solo gamer all right finally we're going to talk about cuba Cuba is probably the only new game I got taught while I was at the, um, hang on, just gotta, there we go, it's back up. I hope the, uh, I hope the screen was doing all right. Um, the window seemed to have been, uh, kind of, kind of weird. You know, it wasn't showing the present screen very well on StreamYard, so it might be having a bit of a day. But Cuba is the one game that I was taught brand new at the last convention. I technically got retalk station full, but I already knew, I've already played that one. Cuba is a brand new game that I'd not played. Well, not brand new normally. I think it's quite a few years old, actually. I mean, how old was it? Let's have a look. 2007. Wow, this is a pretty oldish game. And this is from Egertspiel slash uh, Rio Grande. I think more Egertspiel than Rio Grande, because frankly, or maybe the reprint is Egertspiel and it used to be Rio Grande. But yeah, this is a very pretty looking game. I mean, it's got a beautiful looking board and some nice-ish components, you know, standard ones, but it's colourful. Nothing about it feels too chintzy, and the fact that it has Rio Grande on the t on the cover kind of freaks me out because pretty much nothing by Rio Grande looks nice aesthetically. It's all entirely, you know, entirely bland most of the point. But in this, you are basically gathering resources in order to ship them onto ships for victory points. I mean, it is a standard Euro game at the end of the day in terms of what it is you're aiming to do. But it's so hard to find good images these days. But essentially what happens is you have an, a hand size of five action cards. And they're basically five people. So here we go. This will probably work nicely for a small picture. But basically these five action cards, you play them in whichever order you like. And they have a special ability and a number at the top which corresponds to a later voting phase. The actions allow you to build these buildings on the side, to ship to the ships that come in, to trade in the market for the various different coloured products and resources. And, and also to use your player board where you've got your own farm in the sense. And with this farm you're able to you know, gather some of those resources. But... The idea with this is that the character that you don't play in the round counts its vote value for, you know, doing a voting phase where there's these four different laws that you can um, choose from, two of which are going to pass, but whoever wins the voting phase, which is done by vote value plus close-fisted uh, money bidding, um, is able to influence which the two gets passed. And these have some, you know, effects like making the tax more or less, or, you know, t telling you what subsidies you got to buy, um, pay in order to get more points, uh, you know, particular laws that influence the rules of the game, etc. And we played this with another expansion. I doubt I'll be able to find an easy picture for it here, but it was an expansion that bolted onto the other end of the board, which basically meant that whichever 
You also had to pick a character from this row of cards, which were pretty generic characters, but they still did various cool things. And the one that got left behind was visited by the president, and it had another effect that triggered when that happened. I always love mechanics in games where you draft from something, whether it's dice or cards, and the one that doesn't get drafted has an effect. It's another cool decision, and I've always liked it in any game I play. And it works nicely here. In fact, I dare say I would not want to play this without the expansion. So is the game really solid then? Yes and no. It looks cool. I like the voting phase side of things and I think the expansion is a must add-on. But there's one problem I do have with this game, the shipping part. The shipping part is pretty dull and boring. It's just basically the ships arrive and you try and get the coloured goods on there and you get victory points for them. The problem is, I won this game by a point, right? I won this game by a point, but I was lucky. And I abused a cheesy strategy all the way through and followed it through to the end and it made me win by a point. This required a specific combination of buildings and cards and laws to arrive, which means I will never be able to repeat this again. But shipping is basically how you win the game. And the shipping is too chaotic, especially as we were playing with five players. With the shipping, you basically have to time your mayor card exactly at the point when you have the required goods for a ship that will even stock them and is in a decent position to deliver them, i.e. it's on one of the two or three victory point positions. And this is the bit I hate about the shipping the most, the fact that the further down that row the shipping is, the more victory points per good you get. Which means that if you get lucky and the timing's right and you just happen to deliver three or four goods on the final ship, that point the difference is so obscene that you just end up with a runaway leader problem. Again, I managed to catch them up, but I was abusing victory point generation buildings on my player board, as well as a building that gave me extra votes in the voting phase, so I dominated the voting phase throughout the entire game after the first round, and one of the laws I passed was to basically say that nobody could get more than one product from farming, which meant that shipping was made harder, and also that... Um, Bonus points were awarded for your vote value, of which I always had seven votes at the end of a round because I took my mayor card of five and added the building on. So I abused this strategy and I still only won by one point against the runaway leader who was doing shipping and just got lucky with the timing. And that's the thing, the timing just feels entirely luck-based because... By the time you see a gap on this ship, somebody else has either already seen it, got the products you want, or has probably nabbed it by some special ability from uh, you know, a building or such and such, that it's just too chaotic and too random at five. Now, maybe it's better with less players, but then one of the others said, well, there's not enough turn angst now because of uh, less players. So does this game just not scale well then? Does that mean four is the best count to play it as? And five is another one of those examples where this game should not be played with five? It seems to be a common thing in games these days. But yeah, maybe it's too little at three, but four is four better? I don't know. But I like these. I like this card selection, although for me the tradeswoman was completely defunct, so I wasn't doing any shipping, and the mayor was literally just there to give me five votes, so pretty much I just spammed the other three all the time, building buildings. Oh yeah, that was the other reason I beat him by a point, because I built a bunch of buildings. So my endgame scoring eclipsed him by a point. Not my actual in-play stuff, just the fact that I had more buildings than him. You know, again, never going to be repeated. But yeah, the shipping bit I just find a bit too punishing. Like, you know, you try to, you, you get your stuff, you're ready to put it on, and then somebody nicks it, and then you can't do anything with the goods you've got left, and then they spoil, unless you put them into storage. I just, that bit I just find a bit too punishing. You know, a bit too, like, take that style. And, you know, I prefer to just do this whole Pillars of the Earth style conversion stuff for victory points. But even then, that didn't even feel like it was worth it. I mean, you know, people were getting so many points from a shipping. Like anywhere between 6 to 12 points regularly on shipping. That the fact that I can use this one building here to convert, you know, a blue water cube into a victory point four times on each use for a victory point... I mean, you're never going to generate that many cubes of diff of the same thing. So trying to use these buildings to such an extent that you'll beat shipping victory points just doesn't seem like it will work. So I like the game overall, but the shipping part does kind of kill the experience for me. I wish that that was handled differently. Other than that, the game is a themeless Euro, so it it's not that I dislike it. I think it's fine. I think it's probably about above average, 6 out of 10. You could convince me to play it again despite the shipping problem, 
but I would want less players. I'm not playing this again with five. Um, it's definitely got to be capped at four, and maybe the shipping will be better at that stage, but yeah, just... Mm, I don't know. It's it's fine. I've got nothing really against it, but I do think the shipping mechanic kills it, and sadly... This is kind of how it is with uh, a lot of these Euro games. I mean, this is very similar to Puerto Rico, but at least this one doesn't have the Puerto Rico sharks like the Puerto Rico game has where people are so desperate to play this with people who don't know what they're doing because if you play this with anybody who does know what they're doing, you're going to get your head taken off. So, yeah, it's fine, but just nothing special. Right, so I want to talk a little bit in the discussion topic as soon as I've drunk some more of my mint tea here. Mmm, lovely. Mint tea, good for the throat, good for the digestive system. So, it, and obviously, it tastes nice. I like mint. I really like mint. So, what do I want to talk about briefly on this topic? Well, after I did my Earth review, I put it up on Facebook along with a question because if you post any video to Facebook groups, you get ignored and hounded unless you're one of the popular people. So, I figured I'll put, you know, so when I do put videos up on Facebook, I always do it with a discussion topic. And this discussion topic I figured was about nature theme games in general, like, you know, are you tired of them, etc. But another topic that also sprung up as part of that conversation was the, uh, was the art and photography argument. So, with this, basically with some of the games that I've got um, in my collection, I've really, really liked um, Ark Nova and Earth. Two games I really love. You know, Earth is a great game, and Ark Nova is one of my favourite games of all time. Both of them use photography on their cards and there seems to be a bad rap with photography a lot of people don't seem to like photography in games and when i read the reasonings for it i never quite understand it you know they talk about it not gelling with the theme of the game or the it looks dry as a palette whereas artwork would be better and i'm like i'm not seeing that argument i feel that photography is an underrated uh, tool to be used depending on the theme and the quality of the photos now don't get me wrong i love gorgeous artwork i mean i've got ryan lockett's stuff on the side here and everything in empires of the void 2 makes me drool sleeping gods has got fantastic artwork and of course you know if we're going to stick with nature games we have things like uh you know wingspan gorgeous artwork and nature themed canopy probably the most beautiful game i have seen in in history i mean i'll uh, bring a couple of them up here let's get the window open again so whoop, the power of that so i mentioned wingspan already i mean everybody knows what that looks like by now but maybe people don't know what canopy looks like that cover have you seen a more beautiful board game cover in your life this is just a card game that's mainly for two players i put it on my top 10 casual two-player games list you can play it with more players but frankly you should only play this with two or solo solo is actually pretty decent but man is this game beautiful but look at that this is Vincent Dutrait's artwork and everything on these cards, everything on the cover just looks beautiful. And it's artwork. So fair enough, artwork is obviously probably going to be the king of how, you know, things can look, all right? I'm not saying that photography is better than artwork. You know, good artwork like this kind of style, like Vincent Dutrait, for example, or various other artists, you know, that deserve mention, that do a fantastic job with their art. They deserve mention and this stuff is gorgeous and it will be the best like i mean if this stuff was uh, photography i don't think it would look anywhere near as good you know as this but of course there is such a thing as bad artwork and one game i talk about in a minute i'll be able to compare it to something else actually in that regard but yeah if you've got bad artwork the game will look bad thankfully when people do nature themed games they kind of get the idea that you should use really nice artwork but okay so photography you know Let's look at Earth and Ark Nova here, okay? So this is Earth's artwork and, uh, uh, sorry, Earth's photography. I think the photography in Earth looks fantastic. People sort of think it doesn't work with the, like, the layout of the rest of the card in that, but the rest of the game is fairly bland in how it looks. I mean, your player boards are pretty basic and, like, brownish, grayish, beige or whatever. Your actions at the top of the board are nothing special. The, uh, the cards themselves outside of the photography is just a colored bar with some flavor text and another few symbols at the top i mean it's not like everything else about the cards is gorgeous and the photography kind of somehow spoils it but i mean look at these for example i mean that desert the persian shield there tiger 
I don't know where Tiger is, or what type of terrain Tiger is. Was it often referred to as snow forest or boreal forest? It's the world's largest land biome. Okay, you learn something new every day. But that is a beautiful photo there. The blue sky, the clouds, that luscious green forest area. I would like to go there. I would like to step into that picture and go there. This is what photography does for me when it's done well. Now, there's not a lot of examples of the photography that I can bring up easily without even while going to the Board Game Geek page, because annoyingly, nobody has actually taken any decent photos of the artwork other than for the, uh, I believe, the Polish version, which means that for these cards, you are going to basically have to look at them in a different language. Uh... Yeah, so apologies for the, I assume this is Polish, it looks Polish, but, you know, here, these are photo photographs of various types of shrubbery, shrubbery, bring me a shrubbery, and, uh, you know, different mushrooms, and look at them, they're gorgeous, these are beautiful photos, the colour leaps off it, I think, with real world nature, having a decent photo actually, I think, works better than artwork. You know, this is what makes Earth pop. If you did this with bad artwork, Earth would look horrible. Now, granted, if Vincent Dutrait wanted to do the artwork for this, I dare say it would probably look really gorgeous. But I think people saying that they don't like the photography for this game, I don't get it. I think it still looks fantastic. Now, let me look onto something like Ark Nova. So, Ark Nova, love this game. This is a sort of blown down version of it. It's as much as I can make the picture work. But again, photography of real life animals now they do use a filter on some of these photos usually the ones that are not based on the animals i mean the science lab patents the akabi stable there the architectural zoo and some of these green cards some of these do have a filter on them you know and that's fine i mean if you want to use an instagram filter on the photos to make them look better that's fine but i mean that predator breeding program there the species diversity these locations that cheetah the raccoon the tortoise in that close-up really nice close-up of the european uh, eurasian eagle owl none of these are bad photos i mean they're gorgeous photos could you do artwork for a lot of them yes i dare say you probably wouldn't represent the creature as well as you could in a photo because at the end of the day i'm putting this in my zoo i want to know exactly what the african spurred tortoise looks like artwork might get things wrong it might not follow the exact template and so i want to see what it looks like in real life that cheetah the, the raccoon the owl and that i want to see actual photos in this regard yes it could maybe look better with artwork but it would have to be really good artwork and also artwork costs a lot more than photography you know if you you get someone like vincent de trade to do artwork for your game it's going to cost a fair penny but to do this much unique artwork because there's a ton of it could you imagine if he did all the artwork in the arc nova the game would probably double in price to pay the artist for the work done with photography you can use, well, I'd rather you use the decent photographer's uh, photos rather than just stock photos per se, and maybe a bunch of this is stock photos, I don't know, but at least if they are stock photos, they got to be good. Here, I think they are good. I love the look of Ark Nova's cards and Earth cards, you know, but a lot of people sort of look at these and go, eh, I don't like it, or it doesn't fit. They prefer it with Ark Nova than they do Earth, I've noticed, so I wonder if that's just because of the graphic design of the cards uh, swings them to it, but yeah, I love staring at these pictures if I'm not, you know, if I'm done planning my next turn, I will gladly just look at these pictures and admire these animals, and I just don't think you'd be able to get this kind of level of detailing in just a piece of artwork. Now, that's not to say that all photos work well. Some photographs are, well, crap. <laughs> they are just crap. So uh, what I tend to hate is stock photos from movies and TV. That's when it doesn't work. Here's a good example. Thunderbirds. Yes, uh, not many pictures of the cards here, but... Thunderbirds, you know, the pandemic copy is basically stock footage from the TV show. And this is when it looks a bit dated. I mean, you look at these pictures on the cards here, the sun probe and the mind menace and that. And because you're taking it from a 60s, was it 60s? I can't remember, 60s or 70s like uh, TV show. It's not exactly the best graphical image you can get. And yet it's used all over it. So this game was built on a budget. And so, yes, it kind of represents the Thunderbirds theme quite well. But I don't like the look of the game. No, I don't think it's a looker at all, particularly with the stock photo cards. The graphic design looks pretty cheap and so does the photo image that they use. But then, 
It can work on other games though, I mean, Firefly. Firefly the game, the entire game of the cards is entirely stock footage from the TV show and a lot of the times the problem with using stock footage from TV shows and that is that you can tend to pick some really weird pictures. I mean, you know, Monty there has got his eye like, ah, okay, he looks like Bill Bailey or Bill Bailey if you trod on his foot. Um, but then you've also got Womack there and was that the best pose you could get? And you know, I mean, you know, Nandy works okay. Corbin's like, you know, looking like this bent down with a little grin on his face. Is that the best pitch you could have got for Corbin? I don't know. I feel like that could have been a different one. Is he even in the show? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. It's been so long since I watched Firefly. The Malcolm picture is fine. But again, I don't know other pictures of Malcolm in an action pose. It's hard to say. But does it fit this particular game? Maybe, because the rest of the cards look pretty cheap and, you know, on a budget in a sense. So maybe it works. But people, I don't seem to hear people give this shtick. You know, people are sort of going, oh, I wish Earth wasn't made with photography and stuff. Well, where's the per where's the same person saying, I wish uh, Firefly the Game wasn't done with photography? Would you not want a gorgeous artwork for Firefly the Game? Although, saying that, we have had uh, artwork for Firefly before, and it didn't turn out so well, did it? Yes, who remembers this little addition to the Encounters saga? I've actually got this. It's in my Encounters box, which seriously, I need to think about selling that. Giant box. It's about this tall, massive tall thing, made out of wood, and it's got all the legendary Marvel up to a point, all the legendary alien, all the legendary Predator, and all the legendary Firefly in it. It's insane, and I haven't brought it out in years because of the setup. So sooner or later, I need to put a local ad and get someone to buy that. But what do you price four entire legendary games for? How many hundreds of pounds? And who's going to buy it? I don't know. But legendary encounters, Firefly. Ooh, boy, this artwork is pretty bad. I mean, it, it's passable on some of the characters, but some of them do just look weird. I mean, I have a big man crush on the character of Kaylee, all right, in the Firefly. You know, she's beautiful as all get out. She is hyper cute. And she's a, you know, a very intelligent, very witty mechanic. What's not to like about a woman like that? I don't like the way she's painted there in this card. It's pretty horrific. And then look at this. Oh my god. <laughs> I pretty much want to vomit just looking at these. The talent card, the shiny card. They do look so bad and you know what I'm kind of I know this is a bit weird for you audio fans out there that you can't really see this artwork in which case hopefully you can watch the YouTube version but the what I'm trying to get at here is that I think that artwork is not always what it's cracked up to be artwork can still be done badly now you can take bad photos but i don't tend to see many occasions where photos are done badly you know it tends to be fairly good and the one the times when it is bad is usually when you've got you know stock footage of tv and movies but generally i think photos that are taken of real world stuff tend to be good Although, not always. Terraforming Mars? Yeah, that was a different story, wasn't it? Because a lot of people will at least say that Terraforming Mars was not a particularly good game when it came to its imagery. And yeah, I kind of have to agree. I mean, the, uh, this is a game that has been upgraded so many times, but unfortunately you can't do much about the card artwork, which is... Or the card photography that is used. Now, you know, these weird images, it's... Not perfect, you know, some of them aren't too bad, I mean, I quite like this kelp farming one, but yeah, the cards are not the best looking thing in the world, although I don't think that they're horrible, I think that maybe horrible is being a little bit too harsh, but certainly it's not as good as, say, something like Earth, you know, I think Earth's pictures are a lot better, maybe it's just because the colour pops, I don't know, but then if you're going to do nature, you need the colour to pop, so it's a, it's a tricky one to debate, but a lot of people claim that there's like problems with it. In fact, I wonder if I could load it up right now, actually. Uh, I don't usually like Reddit, and people have said, why don't you post your stuff on Reddit? Because if you think I get eaten alive on Twitter and Facebook much by people who just don't like honest opinions, can you imagine the evisceration I would get if I went onto Reddit? Um, but let's see, Reddit photography in board games. I was reading a thread earlier. Um, 
here we go. Do you dislike photos being uh, being used in board games instead of illustrations? So this is in the Reddit board games section. I don't know how Reddit works. I just refuse to go near it, frankly. But I just had a I came across this and I thought I would sort of go back here. So was it? I actually don't like persons being used, even though there are no persons on it, but not have a clear idea why. A lot of people don't seem to have a clear idea why. Maybe it's because it reminds me of those cards and stickers of series movies you could buy as a kid in the 80s, which for me has a lazy cash grab feel. Okay, I, I see where you're getting at, because I remember those, and I used to collect a few of them myself for, like, favourite TV shows and that, but... Honestly, that was back in the 1980s, and that was a different medium, a different, like, hobby, like, sticker collections and stuff. The photography to these, this day is lightning years better than any photography that could be used back then. Bear in mind, this is several decades ago. Technology has improved, photographs have improved, and photography in general is just gorgeous. It can be done so well. I mean, all my photos I put up on Instagram is basically my mobile phone with a filter on it. That's it. So if any of those look great, then great. And there are people who do a living from making board game photography. Granted, they probably have spent more time with a camera and, you know, go to the extent of setting up their sets and that. But honestly, you can do a pretty decent board game photo if you just use a smartphone with a filter on it, frankly. You know, there's only so much of a gap. But, you know, credit to those people who do really nice photos. They do look really nice. But I, I don't see that it, they feel like a lazy cash grab. So what else we got here? So let's see. Um, and this he's talking about Earth. So he is referring to Earth, even though it's a year ago. So he's talking about the Kickstarter when it was on. So the game is objectively beautiful with some nice photos, but I do honestly think it would look considerably better illustrated if you get a good artist. I realize this would most likely drive costs up or have a whole host of other issues. Yes, but illustrations lend a beautiful game charm, whereas photos, while stunning, feel a bit less charming and more website. Now... That's a fair argument. That is a fair argument, because let's compare it to something like Wingspan. Wingspan has very nice, beautiful artwork, okay? Very nice artwork, uh, you know, from... Damn, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. How can I forget her name? Ah, 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 uh, no, Elizabeth uh, Artist, uh, where is it? Uh, Beth Sobel? What was it? Beth Sobel? There we go. Yeah, Beth Sobel. <laughs> she does most of the artwork for Wingspan. I'm, I was getting confused with her and Elizabeth Hargrave, who designed it. But... Basically, Beth Bell does fantastic art, you know, Sunset Over Water is another example of her art, and, and you know, and various other games that she's made, uh, I think she did Cascadia as well, you know, her artwork is beautiful. So, Wingspan does have a nice charm to it, I mean, you look at these cards with the art for the birds, and it does look beautiful, and it does look charming. Would I have minded if they used photography of real-life birds? No, not really, I think it would have still looked fantastic. But with the artwork of the player boards looking really nice as well, it it and the fact that, you know, as much as I harp on Stonemeyer's sales tactics and the fact they haven't made a good game since Wingspan, you know, I do have to give credit where it's due that this game does have a nice charm to it with how it looks. But then I gotta give more credit to Beth Sobel for that as opposed to Stonemeyer. But yeah, I would argue. I, I can see where he's coming from. This has a nice charm to the 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 stark white background of the card with a nice picture on it. That does represent a lot of the detail of the birds involved. So it's not like you're losing out on the detail here. I'd be perfectly fine if it was really good quality photos. But I agree that I think Wingspan benefits better from not having it. Uh, so what else have we got? Um, do do do. Uh, what else we got? Whereas Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle feels like playing one of those DVD-ROM games from where the movies originally came out. Photos always look weird in a board game. No, they don't always look weird. Nothing looks weird about, you know, Earth and Ark Nova's photographs. Thunderbirds and the Firefly one look weird. Yes, and various other ones. Like, there's a couple of Star Trek games. That, uh, Dice Panic, or was it Star Trek? Dice something? I can't remember, but, um... I think it was Star Trek Panic or something. But basically it had dice and the cards on that used screenshots from the show. And a lot of the times they don't match. And I used to... I mean, you want bad photography. Play some of the old TCGs of the past. I used to play games like the Star Wars Decipher TCG, Alien Predator TCG, and all that stuff. And they used stock movie footage. And yeah, they were pretty bad at times. I mean, you could have a card that has nothing to do with the picture involved... And the picture is really generic and boring. That happened, particularly with the AM Predator one. You know, you could have like a card that's like ambush, and it 
is a really weird purpley picture of a split second point that flashes during the aliens movie and it's like this is not particularly great old photography did look bad but technology has come forward since then uh uh, Parks, where the illustrated nature scenes in this stunning game. Parks is a very stunning looking game. Sadly, the gameplay is pretty boring, but you know, the rest of it, I do like it aesthetically, and yes, photography wouldn't work for that. But then that's a very generic. Uh, actually, I don't know. You could do photography of different parks, I guess that would probably work. But it does have a nice charm and artwork. And like I say, artwork has its charm. And when it's good, it's really good. But I don't think we should completely neuter photography. Um, I'm okay with stylized photos if they look like illustrations. But yeah, just regular photos never match with the style of the rest of the game. Um, I think they match with the style of Earth pretty well, frankly. I don't think they uh, are a mismatch. Let's go back to Earth a second. I mean, it's artwork on the front of the box. And yeah, that looks gorgeous. But I'm sorry... Nothing about that looks out of place. You know, I mean, granted, I mean, the rest of the card is a fairly basic design, so maybe that's why they don't think the photography works on it, but it still looks beautiful on the table. And uh, let's have a look. Uh, generally, I'm very against photography, but when it comes to Ark Nova and Earth, I feel the photography is in service to their theme that artwork and illustrations wouldn't quite convey. Possibly. They both celebrate the beauty of the natural world around us, the real natural world that only photography can, cap can capture. Yes, perfect. Not an imaginary world open to artist interpretation. Again, yes, artist interpretation differs from the real world. Um, and at the end of the day, photography is just another art form. Yes, it's a decent art form. I mean, even in the, the Gallerist, the, the uh, Vital Lacerda game, you still use uh, photography as one of the art mediums in there. Beyond that, photography for IP games can get in the bin. That's just lazy and cheap. Now, that's fine. I think that's the thing. Where I say about Firefly and Thunderbirds, IP photography, where it's just stock footage, is quite lazy and should be replaced with artwork. But I think that artwork is great in games that use IPs and if you want to add that certain charm element to the game. But if you want things to be perfectly represented in real world, I think that photography is still one of the better ones to use. I think Earth and Ark Nova work great with the photos. I certainly don't agree with this guy here saying, I hate photos, it feels cheap and lazy, ruins any chance of immersion. Are you kidding me? I want to go to loads of these places that are represented on the Earth cards. In Ark Nova, I want to see some of those creatures up close in zoos. That is done by photos, not by artwork. I do not agree with that at all. Uh, it's the single thing that inhibits me from enjoying terraforming Mars. I can think of a lot of things that would inhibit me from enjoying terraforming Mars, but I digress. And it's going to make me miss out on Ark Nova as well. Well, that's your problem. You're missing out on one of the best Euro games ever, all because you've got a thing against photos. Um, let's see. Uh, do do Counterexample Obsession. The game would not be half as entertaining with illustrations instead of photos. Well, that kind of works, because in Obsession you have those period piece photos on the cards of the people. But that's really most of the artwork you have, except for the boards, which do look gorgeous, I must admit. That's my biggest complaint about Ark Nova. If your biggest complaint about Ark Nova is the, like, photos, then you need to play it more. Looks like a high school biology textbook. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's more... The length of the game maybe would be a bigger complaint about Ark Nova as much as I love it, but if that's the... Uh, I'm going to go on a rant here if I read any more. This is why I stay off Reddit. I'd just be on here having a field day. People saying photography is lazy, like commissioning illustrations doesn't massively hike up production costs. Well, yes, illustrations does massively hike up production costs. Therefore, you know, photography is a cheaper way of doing it, but it doesn't mean it's a bad way of doing it. Uh, and it's not lazy to use good photography. You know, somebody had to go and get that picture, all right? You know, let's let's go back to it, okay? Look, in Wingspan, Beth Sabell had to draw those birds. It takes time and effort. I don't know how long it takes a professional artist to draw. I think it gets to the point where professional artists can practically do it in their sleep. So probably it didn't take Beth that long to draw these birds because she's just that naturally talented. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear from some artists on that front. But this looks great. Probably took a load of time. Somebody still had to go out and take these pictures of 
the stuff in Earth, okay? Um, you know, somebody had to go up, find this, find this stuff, take pictures, and, you know, and go with it. So, Ark Nova, for example, all those, like, pictures of the various creatures that look fantastic, somebody had to go out and go through the most utter patience possible. I mean, if you ever tried wildlife photography, it requires a lot of patience to get photos of some of these animals. I mean, I wish I could find that image I had a minute ago, the one with the Eurasian owl or something. Can I find it? Yes, here we go. So, for those watching... That Eurasian Eagle Owl, that's in mid-flight, probably with a telephoto lens from a distance, because I very much doubt that was done close up, but can you imagine how hard it must have been to have got that photo? That took skill, it took effort, it took time. It's not that the photo itself is lazy. People are probably saying it's lazy to use it in a board game, but what's the difference between having a board game where you go, right, here's my template for the board game, could somebody please draw for this board game, please? We'll take the time as necessary to do it. So the board game's already half done, and then the artwork gets put in later. How's that any different from having the photography done with the same amount of effort, possibly more so even, ahead of time, and then the board game is made to utilize the photography? You're just basically changing the timing as to when photography and art is done, so I don't consider any of them to be lazy. Now, if they literally just went around with their smartphone to, to, you know, to, you know, London Zoo or whatever, and just randomly took a few pictures with their smartphone, and that's what they used on the card, then fair enough, I could get behind you. But this isn't rubbish photos. This is quality professional photos, and I feel that they need a bit more slack. But as I say, I digress. It's a uh, it's an interesting topic, and I certainly wanted to talk about it, and sorry if you have been listening to the podcast thinking, well, I can't see what's going on, what am I supposed to do about it, but then that's why I also put the video version up on YouTube, so that you can get the benefit of both worlds, and perhaps you just were happy enough to hear my thoughts on the subject. So yeah, I'm going to wrap up this podcast now, 52 minutes, I think that is plenty, my laptop fan noise is screaming like anything, but I've also got stuff to do before Valheim night tonight uh, with some mates. So, yeah, um, hopefully I'll get this one released around weekend time, you know, Sunday night, maybe, Sunday evening, perhaps, you know, I'm, I mean, I've recorded it now, I'll try and edit it during the week and then have it ready to upload on the Sunday when I get back from Bacon, you know, that might work, you know, so that you've got it on Sunday evening, but that will time up nicely and then it will get me back on schedule. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm definitely going to get this released soon, so hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, hope you know let me know your thoughts in the comments do you like photography do you prefer artwork do you think that ip photography is the lazy one and this kind of photography nature and real world setting photography is better uh, do you have examples of non-ip photography that's really bad you know that'd be interesting to know and do you have examples of ip photography that is done very well you know what is your view on the debate i think this will get quite a few comments and some interesting discussions going so that's it for me remember as always if you want to help support the video then thumb it up on youtube get it in the algorithm leave your comments check out my other content consider subscribing to the patreon to help support the channel with its funding and subscriptions and that but for the most part just glad you enjoy and hope you're watching the other content by all means check out that earth review as well and the upcoming top tens so until next time remember as always regardless of whether artwork or photography is your thing it's still only a game at the end so regardless of how it looks just enjoy itself take care and bye for now